It is week eight of Masechah's Rosh Hashanah with the Sydney Kodal. We are holding the Gemara on the with base five lines up from the bottom of the page. At the end of last week, we learned the Machlokes Tanoim, Rabbi Shmuel, Benoshra, Rabbi Yochanan, and Baroka. Rabbi Shmuel's opinion was that Yovel begins on the first of Tishrei. The new year for Yovel is the first of Tishrei, and our Mishnah accords with his opinion. While the Rabbis say it begins on Yom Kippur. And the reason they have this dispute is based on Psukim, we explained in the Gemara, the, the Torah indicates that on the one hand, Yovel starts on the first of Tishrei. On the other hand, it starts when the shofar is blown on Yom Kippur. And Rabbi Shmuel, Ben Osher, Rabbi Yochanan, Ben Baroka, he holds that really Yovel begins on the first of Tishrei. And then for the first 10 days of the Yovel, there's this unusual state where the slaves do not go free. Rather, they stop working, but they don't truly go free until the 10th of Tishrei. And similarly, we explained the ancestral lands that are returning to their owners. They don't fully go back to their owners, but the people who've owned them until now are not allowed to work them in those 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. However, the rabbis hold, no, really, Yovel begins on the 10th of Tishrei. And the Mishnah, our Mishnah, which says Yovel begins on the 1st of Tishrei, that the Rosh Hashanah, the new year for Yovel, is the 1st of Tishrei, is not in accordance with the opinion of the rabbis, who say it begins on the 10th of Tishrei in Yom Kippur. Rather, it's in accordance with the view of Rabbi Shmuel, Ben Osher, Rabbi Yochanan, Ben Baroka, that it starts on the 1st of Tishrei. That's what we learned last week. Today, the Gemara continues with another brysa. And in order to understand this b'risa, we needed to give the background that we just gave. Tanya Idachet was taught in another b'risa. The Torah says, Yovel he. It is Yovel. Ma Talmud Loma, what is this coming to teach us? This quote is from chapter 25 of Ayikra, verse 11. The Torah says, Yovel he That it's Yovel the 50th year. But that's unusual because the previous Pasuk already told us that it is Yovel in the 50th year explicitly. So why do I need this Pasuk to tell me that it's Yovel in the 50th year? Because the previous Pasuk says that you shall sanctify the 50th year. So Yochel, what might I have thought? I might have thought that just like it becomes sanctified from its beginning, in other words, from Rosh Hashanah at the start of the year, and we have, as we've explained, this unusual state of the first 10 days of the year, being a special status. So you might have thought, kach, that similarly, that it continues to remain sanctified at the end of the year. In other words, in the same way that there's a special status at the beginning of the year of the first 10 days, so too at the end of the year. Even though the first of Tishrei of the next year has already passed, you might have thought that Yovel kind of continues in the next year for the first 10 days. Because the first 10 days of the subsequent year replicates what happened in the first 10 days of the Yovel year and you have a quasi-Yovel status again in the second year. And therefore the Torah comes to tell you Yovel, he know only in the Yovel year is it Yovel in the 50th year, but not the following year. And the Bryce says, don't think, what are you talking about? Why would you suggest that we have a, an extension of the Yovel year for an additional 10 days. Don't ask me that question, that that is very unusual. And why would we ever think that we would have another 10 days of Yovel after the end of the year? Because we have a general rule that we add from the mundane onto the holy. We're going to see later in the Gemara, but we all know that when it comes to Shabbos, when it comes to Yom Kippur, we add a little bit of the weekdays. For example, on Erev Shabbos, we bring Shabbos in earlier, we extend Shabbos into the regular day before sunset in order to be Mosif, to add from the mundane onto the holy. 
that we drag the code, the Kedusha of Shabbos into the regular weekday. And maybe therefore, that's what we might have thought should be the case in the second year, after the Yodel finishes in the first 10 days of the year. Talmud Loma, therefore, to dispel this notion, to reject this idea that maybe we add a bit of Kedusha in the second year, even after Yovel's finished, from the 1st to the 10th of Tishrei, the Torah comes to tell us in this passage, chat, verse 11, Yovel Hishnasa Chamishim, that it's Yovel in the 50th year, only the 50th year, Shnasa Chamishim Atomakadish. You only sanctify the 50th year as Yovel up until Rosh Hashanah of the next year. But you do not sanctify any of the 51st year, even the first 10 days of that year, as Yovel. And that is what the Pasuk is coming to tell us when it says, Yovel It's Yovel, the 50th year, only the 50th year is sanctified, but none of the 51st year, even the first 10 days. Now this first view of the Brisa is in accordance with the view of Rabbi Shmuel ben Osher, Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka, who clearly holds that Yovel begins on the 1st of Tishrei. The Rabbanon. And what about the Rabbis? Now that we've dealt with Rabbi Shmuel ben Osher, Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka's position, the Gemara asks, now that we've quoted the Brisa, what about the Rabbis? How do the Rabbis interpret this Pasuk that it's Yovel the 50th year? Because according to the rabbis, Yovel doesn't start until the 10th of Tishrei. There is no special status in the first 10 days of the year. So what do they do with this, these words, Yovel Hishnas HaChamishim? So the Gemara says, Shnas HaChamishim Atomone. Atomone Shnas HaChamishim Ve'achas. They learn from there that we count Yovel as the 50th year. Yovel Hishnas HaChamishim. Yovel is the 50th year only. But it is not the 50th year and the first year. What does that mean? It means there's a machlokes. We're going to see in a moment a dissenting view. There is a machlokes whether Yovel is essentially a 50-year cycle or a 49-year cycle. So according to the rabbis, Yovel is a 50-year cycle. You count 1 to 49. The 49th year is a Schmitter year. And the next year is the Yovel year is the 50th year. And the year after that is the first year of the new Yovel cycle. But there's another view that we're going to learn now, which is that Yovel really operates on a 49-year cycle. You have 49 years, and the 50th year is both Yovel, both the 50th year of that 49-year cycle, but it's also the first year of the new cycle. And therefore, it, there isn't, it's not, it doesn't go year 49, 50, and then 1. It goes year 49, and the next year is both year 50 and year 1 of the new cycle. As the Gemara brings the dissenting view, this comes to exclude the opinion, disagree with the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, who says, that the 50th year counts for both cycles. It's both the 50th year of the previous cycle, and it's also the first year of the upcoming cycle. So the rabbis say, we learn from this pasuk that we disagree with that position of Rabbi Yehuda. That we learn from here, Yovel Hishnasa Chamishim. The Yovel year is only the 50th year. It is not also the first year of the new cycle. You have a Yovel year, and the next year you have the first year of the new cycle. And that's what they learn from these words, Yovel Hishnasa Chamishim. Now the Gemara now goes back to something we had in the Brisa. The Brisa said that we were Mosif Mechol Ala Kodesh, that we add from the mundane onto the holy, and that that was a general principle. So the Gemara now explores this. How do we know that we have this rule that we add from the mundane onto the holy? Where do we learn it from? What is the biblical source for this idea? So the Gemara brings a Brisa. The Brisa was dealing with Shmita, the seventh year when we let the land rest. The Tani we learned in a Brisa. The Pasuk says, 
that at the plowing and at the reaping you shall rest. The full pasuk in Shmos says, that six days you shall rest, and on the seventh day on Shabbos you shall rest. At the plowing and the reaping you should rest. Now the first part of the pasuk clearly is talking about Shabbos because it's talking about six days of working, but the second part is very difficult to understand. It's talking about Shabbos. Why would the Torah single out two of the thirty-nine melachas, plowing and reaping, from all the other thirty-nine melachas? And therefore, Rabbi Kiba interprets these words about plowing and reaping as talking about the requirement to not plow and reap during the Shemitah year. That's what Rabbi Kiva is going to tell us. Rabbi Kiva, Omer the Brisa says, Rabbi Kiva says, I didn't need to say in this Pasuk that you should not plow or reap in the seventh year. The Torah already says explicitly in Vayikra, that your field you shall not sow, etc., which prohibits most agricultural work during the Shemitah year. Why then in this Pasuk about Shabbos, the latter part of which we understand Rabbi Kiva says to be talking about Shemitah, does the Torah repeat a requirement of not plowing and reaping? Ella, rather, the Torah is telling you, it's talking about desisting from the ploughing of the year before the seventh year, whose benefit enters into the seventh year. In other words, someone ploughing an orchard in advance of Shemitah to help the trees to grow during the Shemitah year. So under biblical law, the prohibition against ploughing an orchard commences 30 days prior to Shemitah. The rabbis set that prohibition back to an even earlier date. And you see here, the Gemara says, Rabbi Kiva is telling us that the Torah is coming to teach you, you're not even allowed to plough in the 30 days before the Shemitah year, in Elul of the year before, if you're trying to help the trees to grow during the Shemitah year. And that's how we learn out that we're most, if we add from the mundane onto the holy. Rabbi Shmal, Rabbi Shmal disagrees with Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Shmal says, what are you talking about, Rabbi Akiva? This pasuk doesn't have to be talking about Shemitah. Maybe this clause about plowing and reaping is also talking about Shabbos, like the first part of the pasuk. And what's it coming to teach you? Why are these malachas singled out? So Rabbi Shmal and Rabbi Shmal says, The pasuk's trying to teach you that these malachas of plowing and reaping are only prohibited on Shabbos when they are discretionary, when they're not things that are required for the sake of a mitzvah. Why? Because ploughing is never required by the Torah for the sake of a mitzvah. And therefore ploughing always is discretionary, is always something that's not mandatory, not a mitzvah. And therefore just like ploughing is always not a mitzvah, so too in this pasuk the type of reaping we're talking about is a reaping that is not part of a mitzvah. And that is why it's forbidden on Shabbos. By Yotza, Katsira Omer Shu Mitzvah, but that would come to exclude the reaping of grain for the Omer offering, which according to Rabbi Shmal is an obligatory act. And that's excluded from this prohibition because Rabbi Shmuel understands this Omer offering that's offered on the 16th of Nisan, the barley that has to be harvested for the Omer offering has to be done the night before the Omer is offered. And if the night before happens to be Shabbos, he would say you're allowed to do it on Shabbos. We're going to hold it for today. I wish you all a very good day.